All right, welcome to the Dig Deeper podcast. Uh, my name is Johnny, and I am here with my friend Mark. Uh, Mark is a pastor of a church in Branson called Praise and Worship. Uh, Praise and Worship is a Lutheran church. I will just say it's a sort of Lutheran church. I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, and maybe we can talk about that in a future episode. Uh, but for now, we'll just say that it is a Lutheran church. And um, what we wanted to do, what we've been talking about for a long time, is we've been talking about having a podcast that is beneficial both for people who attend praise and worship as well as a podcast that is beneficial for those who are curious about the church or maybe who don't even live close to the church and just want to learn more about a topic or have a question. So the goal is, is that this is kind of a, a podcast that is already in a sense connected to a community, a congregation in Branson but it's also sort of a new community. And so the idea with that is, is we want this to be a place where people from different traditions, different denominations, different worldviews can come in and talk and we can engage in conversations that maybe we can't necessarily have on a Sunday morning during a worship service, or maybe not even necessarily in a classroom. This is sort of the format here is to have a conversation and to bring people in with different viewpoints and different ideas. And it's also a place where we can maybe dive into some topics that are a little bit deeper, a little more theological, um, for lack of a better word, a little bit more uh, maybe controversial. Um, and so we want this to be a place where uh, we can just dig deeper into these conversations. And so with that, I am going to introduce our topic tonight, which is predestination. And, <laughs> I, you know, it's so oh, crazy. All, just, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. For the first podcast, uh, talking about predestination. So if you are a, a person who goes to praise and worship, you um, know by now that we are doing a series in the book of Ephesians. We're going to go through the book of Ephesians over the next 12 weeks. And this is one of the things that you kind of run into in the very first chapter of Ephesians. And it's one of those verses that you could take a really long time uh, talking about. And so... You know, I think that we should give our backgrounds at some point, but just to give sort of a quick background, obviously, Mark, you are a pastor of a church. You went to seminary. No doubt you've heard and been engaged in a lot of conversations about this. I am uh, more of a lay person. I attend church. I am involved in church. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I guess this is just kind of where we're going to get started and just jump right in. Um, but the idea is, is we can dig deeper here and talk about a couple of different things. So um, I've talked now for a, a little while, so maybe I'll let Mark talk a little bit and we can see where the conversation goes. I love your introduction there, Johnny, because it is it is the a, a perfect topic for digging deeper. And, you know, to your point in Ephesians chapter one, um, right off the bat, you know, verses three and four and five, um, the Apostle Paul, writing by the power of the Holy Spirit, says, 
hey, <laughs> before the foundation of the world, of the earth, um, that's when God chose you. So that produces a variety of challenges for the hearer or the reader because, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that God just foreknew he knew that I, that I would choose? Or does it mean that he chose me and that I'm not really part of that process? Or, you know, th there's a lot of different questions that come up. And that behooves us to talk a little bit because there have, you know, traditionally there have been three responses to this issue. The first one is that it's more of a, of a language thing. Well, no, God didn't choose me. I chose, but he knew I was going to choose, and he sort of stacked the deck for me maybe a little bit or, or, or just made sure that, that I would be in a position to choose, something like that. Um, but ultimately, it was my choice. The choice came from within me, not him. Of course, the challenge that you have is that this says that he chose us. So you're you're kind of having to take away some of that scripture. Well, on the other side of the equation is um, sort of the literally the other extreme, which is to say, no, he absolutely chose you, and you had no influence in it whatsoever. You 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 have no influence in it. Um, he chose you, but he also chooses other. He doesn't choose other people, which is to say, um, he chooses some to to be saved and some to not be saved, where that creates some challenges too, which we'll talk about. And then the third view, which stands between those two extremes, and this is where you, Johnny, you said uh, that praise and worship is a Lutheran church, and, and you know, kind of what that means. Well, this is the Lutheran position, but what we love to say at praise and worship is that that just means we look at Jesus. <laughs> so that's ultimately what the the first people who eventually were called Lutherans wanted us to do. Um, they were called Lutherans pejoratively because they were, um, they were trying to get the church to go back to Scripture, to go back to Jesus, to go back to um, where it all started, and not focus on all these external things. Um, and so, as a result, this this middle view says, actually, God chose us before the foundations of the earth, just like what the Scripture says. But other scriptures say that people can reject him, that people have the ability to walk away. First, First Timothy 4, for example. Um, and, so, and so when you have it saying both of those things, then we just want to say, let's just let it say both of those things. How do you, when I talk like that, Johnny, what, what kind of comes across your mind? Well, first off, you know, mentioning predestination, you... Yeah immediately if 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 you know anything about this you immediately start raising your shoulders because you're like oh no yeah. we're we're not we shouldn't talk about this you know right. this is a very sort of divisive topic you know if you really were to dive into why certain churches split off why there are certain denominations mm -hmm. that exist it can really often come back in some way shape or form to this very topic and Absolutely. you know why should we talk about it or you know you know you see you have this idea of we avoid it but yeah. i say we we talk about it because it really can change the way that you see the world it can change the way yes. that you see god and it can change the way that you see yourself i mean just from my own personal sort of looking at the word predestination Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I see the word 
destination. And I start to think, well, what exactly is the the destination? What exactly are we destined to by God? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question because or a great point because when you talk about destination, then another word is in there, destiny. You know, it's just all of those kinds of things start to play in. And where is it we're going? What are, what is this talking about? And you know, it's interesting because the 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 Greek word there that that or you know the Greek language that stands behind that definitely has in view a destination, but it also has in view kind of this idea of things are set in place beforehand. You know, that's kind of so. If you combine that thinking with destination, it's literally like the path has been laid out before you. But what we don't experience that. You know, you and I were born. We we were born into families. We we learned how to speak English, specifically American English. We learned our cultures, um, you know, and and so we don't experience the path being laid before us. But um, God is proclaiming in this passage that it is very much the case that he, you know, he he, he says that in in verse five of Ephesians one, it says, "In love he predestined us," and again the word is. Pro, pro, pro orizo or pro orizo. Um, so it's this idea that it's 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 a it's a path that has been laid in place um, for us to be adopted to him, uh, and that that is amazing when you think about it because it kind of leads us to another passage which is not in Ephesians but it's in Romans verse chapter nine verse sixteen which says that and, and you know where Paul's talking about the same topic and he says it's kind of his. This is why he brings it up. So it then depends on God's mercy and not our effort. I have a kind of a series of questions here, but yes. with, when talking about predestination, obviously you, the verse that you just read said that in love God predestined. Mm. So that's sort go. of a sort of a key idea here sort of in asking these questions but yes you know um one of the more difficult questions or one of the more difficult ideas here is that is this idea that god would have known ahead of time who would accept or reject him mm -hmm. do we feel like yeah. that's what this verse is kind of saying well, you know, the the short answer is no. I mean, well, that I, I where I'm coming from when I say no is is that is that if you start to do that, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, he has said that in love he predestined us to be adopted. That in love he chose us before the world was even made. Um, and then if we try to in our effort to understand that we try to say, well, that must mean that he knew we were going to believe. Um, but then that still, all that does is move the semantics around. It moves the words around. It, if, if, if he knew that we were going to do that, then he, what is, does it still mean he didn't do it? Or does it mean he did? And that that's what gets us in trouble is when we start to put our reason on top of the scripture, which we all do that. I struggle with that. Everybody struggles with that. But our struggle needs to be to say, how do I get the scripture on top of my reason? So that the the his word norms me rather than me trying to norm his word. And and the key there is so if if it is just 
his foreknowledge, then that that indicates by definition that it's not his action. And this proclaims that it's his action. It's his in his love, in his agape, in his, which is his undeserved loving kindness that he has said, you're mine. I'm choosing you. I want you to be in my family. So in a sense, you know, the way that I was sort of raised and taught, you know, concerning a whole other topic, which we could talk about some other time, this idea sure. of free will. So, yes. so this idea that we have free will and in that free will, mm -hmm. we choose to either accept or reject the, the yes. grace and the mercy of God. Now yeah. it's not far fetched to believe as well that God would have known which people would have accepted him or rejected him, but it's not necessarily taking it so far as to say that God specifically created people that would accept him and also created people that would reject him. Yes. And that, what you've done there is you've highlighted the kind of those two opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, the Arminian view, which says, you know, it's our choice. And then the, what is traditionally called the Calvinist view, which says God chooses both salvation and damnation for humans. And of course, you know, what I always love to say, and in fact, you know, in the, in the sermon, one of the things I say is you can find no verse that says that you chose your salvation. You can find no passage of that in scripture. Um, likewise, you can find no passage in scripture that says God created someone just to damn them. Now, some will try to sneak over to Romans chapter nine, and and, and there is a passage there which, which says where God says, "I will I will give mercy to whom I give mercy, and I will harden whoever I want to harden." He does say that, but then if you keep reading, it he eventually says, "But I want to have mercy on everyone." See, and this is the key. So. So if you if you do the if you do the move where where God's choosing who is saved and who isn't, then then what happens then is you end up with a God who is evil, because if He created a human for the purpose of sending them away from Himself, you have now had to take away all this business about agape about love, and He in His promise He says He will love, and that's that goes back to the free will statement. So your question about free will, your comment about free will is really key. I always love to tell people, um, yes, humans have free will. Now, let's do a little experiment. Spend 10 days. No, no, no. No, let's not do 10 days. Spend 10 hours. Oh, maybe not even 10 hours. Let's go 10 minutes and don't sin ever during the 10 minutes. You choose in your free will to not sin for 10 minutes. And most people are like, oh, wow, okay, I think I could do that. Okay, you know, and they just, you know, start, you know, going. And then, like, some point in the 10 minutes, you're going to lose patience. Or you're going to, you know, start thinking, why is he putting me through this silly thing? Or whatever. I mean, according to what Jesus teaches is sin, we're going to sin in the 10 minutes. And the question then becomes, if we have free will, then why do, why are we unable to actually control all of our choices? And this is something my uncle Marty, Martin Luther, and, and where we get that term Lutheran from, um, he wrote a book called The Bound Will. And, and, and what he says, when we look at Scripture, when we look at ourselves, when we look at our own experiences, what we find is we do have the freedom to choose, but the problem is, is we don't actually do what we want to do. 
So it's not so much that we have a free will, although we do, but that free will has become corrupted somehow, which of course the Bible calls sin. So now we have a big problem, is if it's up to us, we actually would never choose God. That's one of the things that I've learned so much just in the last year, and we've talked about this so much, but it's it's good enough to just put it in, in a microphone at this point. But, you yeah. know, something that I've sort of wrestled with for the last year and a half is this idea of did I, was the choice in my salvation and it was the choice in my choosing God, was the choice in, in my uh believing in Jesus was that a was that a choice that was a choice of acceptance did i reach mm. out and and take it it was there just for me was i was i you know and and did i choose that out of my own free will or right. did i sort of choose that sort of without even thinking about it like i was destined to to accept it and now i've accepted it or yes. Or was the choice rather rejection, as in, as in the choice, as in Jesus has already done this for me, God has already given this to me, that mm -hmm. is sort of the, the, the destiny is to accept what's are, or just to have what's already been given to me. And then, yes. and then the choice that I can make is, is to reject that. So mm -hmm. the difference between acceptance and rejection, it seems so subtle, but for me personally, I don't want to necessarily go against like my Baptist friends or my evangelical friends that are very right. much right. like, accept Jesus, raise your hand, go down forward to the stage, say a right. prayer and you're saved. I'm not necessarily... I'm not even necessarily saying that that's wrong. I think that that is a salvific thing, but I think that it's equally salvific to just simply recognize what Jesus has already done for us all on the cross. We cannot deny those verses that said, you know, God so loved the entire world. He mm -hmm. died for everyone. He wants yeah. everyone to come to the knowledge of him we cannot deny those verses, especially when we're talking about predestination. And so the yeah. idea that the choice is not acceptance, but rather rejection to me personally lines up so much more consistently with what I read in scripture when it talks about God's love for everyone, God's desire for everyone to come to the knowledge of him. Um, so, and the idea that Jesus actually did exist here on the earth as a human being 2,000 years ago, Jesus right. actually, by his own free will, chose yes. to follow the will of God, so God's uh -huh. predestined will. And then yes. Jesus chose himself. He, it, it, he could have not done it. And we even Correct. see that, that right. interaction with, with the tempter, with you know, with that sort of adversary. We see that interaction, and yet he chooses to be the fulfillment of all of those prophecies in the Old Testament. And so, what we end up seeing is, is that 
he died on the cross. He really mm-hmm. did. And as Christians, we really believe that he are, that he did that. And he did that to pay for all of our sins and that and he actually did. He actually did raise from the dead. That's the big deal. The big okay. deal is, is that he raised from the dead and that he, and that people saw it, people witnessed it. And because they witnessed it 2000 years later, you and I are having this conversation. And so we have to look at it. If, if I look at it from that perspective, then the perspective mm-hmm. is, is that Jesus did it. It's already done and it's been yeah. done for 2000 years. Yes. So it's not necessarily me choosing it's already happened. All I have to do is just simply receive it. It's here. It's on me right now. And yes, I could choose to reject it down the line, but the whole idea here is that, yeah, I think that's kind of a summary of, 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 right. of exactly what I was trying to say there. And, and um, that's well yeah. said. And, and I would just kind of piggyback on that, that um, when you're talking about those kind of how that works and how how it was in fact um something that has happened something that jesus did you know in john 5 he says those who hear the words of the son of man hear his voice have already moved from death to life which is interesting because while that is true he's saying that and then those who would listen to him in that moment are it's just as he declared they've moved from death to life but then you also have this promise that what we have in Ephesians chapter one, which is, well, actually it happened before the foundations of the world of the earth. And it's, 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 you know, you're like, well, wait, which is it? And the answer is yes. You know, and that, that's why I love the way you, you categorize it is, is we experience it in time, in linear time. God does not, is not limited by linear time. Um, many people have speculated about how God experiences time, but no human can understand it because we can only experience linear. Um, some of the ancient church fathers would would sort of postulate about this, and some of them would come up with things like time is change. You know, whatever whatever happens from one second to the next, there's a change there, and that is what time is. And that's our best guess. But it, the end of the world, or the end of the the discussion, I should say here, is that it was before the world was made, is when he chose us. But to your point, it was when we heard his voice that we actually moved from death to life. So he chose us and then caused, as as this is, again, what I, my Uncle Marty would often say is, is we should just praise his name that he has seen fit, excuse me, he has seen fit to cause his word to come to us, to get into our ears and get into our heart. And and then, of course, you know, in his catechism, Uncle Marty would say it's the Holy Spirit who enlivens our heart and gives us the ability to hear the voice of the Son of Man, um, which is is a beautiful thing. So it's that's where this passage from Romans chapter 9, um, and I just want to kind of read it because it's one of these, um, it's it just, you know, he, I love how he says it, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And, and that's where it kind of goes back to your comment. It's always in love. It's in agape that he does this. There's no place where God says, okay, I'm going to set you up to destroy you. That's, there's no place. Even Pharaoh um, even though it, he, the Lord eventually did harden Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart many times before that. And it was only after 
um, there come there came a point where God's like, okay, Pharaoh, I'm going to actually give you what you've you've chosen, which is the same thing we see in First Timothy chapter four, which those who do reject the faith, which again is inexplicable to us, eventually, just like Jesus says about some people, you know, they've received their reward. They've that's what they want. That's what they'll have. What I think about when you talk about that, when you even when you, especially when you talk about time, because I think this is where we often get in so much trouble when we talk about predestination, because there's the personal, there's the personal implications of predestination, and then yes. there's the then there's the cosmic, huge, bigger, more Star Wars esque level yes. kind of. Uh, view of predestination and if we don't look at it from both a cosmic level and a personal level if we look at it just at a personal level then yes we start running into lots of issues you know mm -hmm. we don't and lots of confusion as to what is going on and 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 you know did I do anything to deserve to be chosen by God? Uh, exactly. Is there anything that I can do that would cause that to, to not be the case? Um, how do I know? How do I not know? And oh, there's, yes. and, and there's sort of this cosmic level kind of thing going on. You know, when, mm -hmm. when we're reading that he did this before the foundation of the world, we're now looking at something a lot bigger a lot bigger exactly. and i and for me it's just it's fascinating because you know we think about you know we were on earth maybe 70 80 90 years if we're lucky and sure. yet what we're talking about here is something that is eternal you know i cannot i cannot help but quote that line in amazing in the song amazing grace at the very end that says when we've been there 10,000 years we've no less days to sing god's praise <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yes. For we're talking about forever. We're talking about an eternal thing here. And when we talk That's about right. Jesus, we're not just necessarily talking about how Jesus, because he died on the cross, he's going to solve all of our problems here and now. We're talking about something that is so much bigger. I think about that exactly. song. That, that the other song, if you're you know if you're a Christian and you're familiar with old hymns, it is well with my soul. Like, yeah. how can I sing that when I've got so much crap going on in my life in the midst exactly. of this, in, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of being laid off work, in the midst of, of, of all of the suffering that's going on. And right. the reason you can sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul, is because we're in, in an eternal perspective. This mm. life is just a glimmering thing of light and so um so we have to look when we when we talk about predestination we can't just necessarily look at it in the temporal we have to look at it really in the eternal and yes. when we look at like i said when jesus died on the cross we have to look at that really at a cosmic level he died on the cross for people uh, that were there when he was dying on the cross there, mm -hmm. he died on the cross for all of the people, uh, you know, all the way up to me, 2000 years later. Yes. Um, and the that's people a before. cosmic. Yeah. Abraham right. and all those guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, the implications of this is very interesting, though, because I could see people reading this, and if they're if they're you know how does how do we apply this to our life? I guess is the mm. question that I ask, because I can see certain denominations that really believe that God has chosen certain people to be to be a part of His family for all eternity and and others not so much. And those people really don't care too much about reaching out to people, sharing the good news with people, sharing the word with people, because in their minds, it's like, yeah, God is God and he's going to do what, what he's going to do. And, you know, we're going to just do things the way we've always done it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if people come, they come, if they don't, they don't, that's not up to us. That's up to God. And I would say to an extent they're correct, but what would what would you say to that? Yeah, um, I, I'm very familiar with that response. And I think the key, and it, and it kind of ties into kind of all the things you were just mentioning, is, is how do I know that I'm chosen? I think that that's one of the questions. How do I know that I am one of the elect, as, as, as he writes in Romans 9 and other places? Um, and, and I think when you start to answer that question, you're also going to answer this business of, well, what do we do in the meantime? And, and so what I love about it is, is, is Scripture speaks both ways, which is to say, are we chosen before the foundation of the earth? Here it is. It's promised clearly to us, very in just breathtakingly straightforward language. But at the same time, we have Jesus saying, all authority in, in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, <laughs> so in other words, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name, there's the key, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you till the end of the age. So so the, the reason I bring that up is because we all love to go to that passage to say, okay, mission, 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 but there's actually a strong link to this predestination discussion because in Ephesians chapter 1, toward the end of the chapter, there, or toward the middle, I should say, is the key passage that ties directly to this, which is the Apostle Paul writes by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Father was making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. There's the key. He, he displayed it in Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time. There's that strange paradox from our point of view of the fullness of time. And what, it, what was his plan? To unite heaven and earth, all things in heaven and all things on the earth. And when you look at that from the perspective of Matthew 28, where Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So now you go and you make disciples and you do it by baptizing them and by teaching them. So notice what baptism is. It's your identity. It's where it's where you adopt. Or I shouldn't say you adopt. He adopts us and puts his name on us. That's how you know you're chosen. So if, I always tell people, they're, they're like, you know, I'm, I don't know if, I don't know, I, have I lost my salvation? And I'm like, are you baptized? And then they, some folks who grew up in different traditions go, well, what does that have to do with anything? That was my choice. That was my, my, my promise to God. And I'm like, actually, it was his promise to you. It's when he put his name on you, according to Jesus. 
Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, it says it was his promise to you and for your children and for everyone and all those are far away. And so th this idea that it's, it's, it's where he put his name on you and then also you were taught. So, so the fact that you're being taught and yeah, I know we don't always listen to what we're taught, but the fact that we're being taught and the fact that it's happening, we're in the midst of God right now, is all of this for his purpose. So the purpose being to unite all things in heaven and on earth. So there's that cosmic thing, but also the personal thing. Personal thing is identity. Cosmic thing, unite all of heaven and earth together. Yeah, and I, I think about, you know, in a in a practical sense, maybe for somebody who's especially familiar with this type of stuff mm -hmm. and and wants to dig deeper, I for me, I think about, you know, God has given us responsibility. He has given he has commanded us to to share. Uh, you know, this is really, if we really look at it from this point of view, it's really, really great news because yes. ultimately, yes, because ultimately, God gets the credit. You know, we mm -hmm. we have responsibility, but God gets the credit. God is the one who 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 really brings people to himself. And yes, we can talk about God, we can share God with others, but we ourselves we ourselves are not going to determine who is going to accept and who is going to reject. It's right. not up to us. And if so, if we talk to somebody, if we tell somebody about Jesus and they say, absolutely, yes, I believe I, I want to be baptized or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. we cannot look at that and say, oh, you know, I was a, I was a good evangelist. You know, I said the right words. I did the right thing. Yes. And, 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 it, and it happened, you know, it, and it's the same with, even with churches, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't care what what kind of strategy, what kind of audiovisual team you have, what kind of coffee you have in the one. lobby. We <laughs> have to right. be careful. We have to be so careful because it's not about us. It's mm -hmm. God has already done it. The, I, you know, and I honestly, I cannot explain it. I, I really can't there. There it's, it's, it's kind of a mystery. It's kind of unfathomable to even think that, the God of the universe is a God of love. Mm -hmm. And just as you said, uh, a God that wants to uh, unite, who wants yes. to restore, who wants to rescue uh, his people. And that's right. My hope for anybody who is listening to this podcast is that you would hear these words and that you would just simply receive them, um, and, and you know, and and not reject them. It's not necessarily about accepting; it's about just not pushing it away. So my hope is is that somebody listening to this that you would feel God's love in in listening to this, and that you would really just experience it as the word is proclaimed. And uh, if you do, it has nothing to do with me or Mark or anybody. It, it's truly, it truly is God. And I think that's, you know, you know, you see it even in like, I, I just pulled up first Corinthians three, when the apostle Paul is like, you know, um, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. That's so right. That's right. 
you know, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so, yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, there is this beautiful aspect that Apollos and Peter, or excuse me, Apollos and Paul rather, were doing their vocations. They were doing what they're supposed to do, and and the Lord used it. And that's the same for you and me. I mean, why sit here and do this podcast? Because the Lord is using our own desire and interest in this topic to talk about it and share it. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit who will, in fact, enliven the heart of the listener to say, wait now, what? Because it's like there's this, you know, and I know we're running out of time here, but there's this last kind of comment from Ephesians 1 that I love is in verse 14, where he talks about an inheritance. And that kind of captures what you were saying earlier, Johnny, about it's not something that we, you know, have to accept. It's something we shouldn't reject. And that's exactly the way inheritance is. You have the inheritance. You know, they, you know, the attorney will call you up or the, you know, the, the probate judge or whoever it is, they'll call you up and say, you need to report in because this inheritance is for you. And it's based upon who you are. It's your identity. So we know your name. We know where you're from. So this belongs to you. Now, the ironic thing is, is it belongs to you from the moment they say that, from the moment they know your identity. But you can choose to go down to the courthouse and say, I don't want it. You can choose to go to the attorney and say, I I, I, I disavow from that family. I'm not part of that family. And so that's the beautiful thing is, is when you hear this and you're like, well, I, I want that to be mine, then it's yours. Because it's a promised inheritance from before the foundations of the world. Yeah, that is... That is so significant, too, because it was promised before the foundation of the world, because it was promised before you and I were even born. It's the kind of promise that is so sealed that we ourselves cannot uh, do anything to cause that inheritance to go away. It is there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't make our our father, our, you know, God is our father. We could not make him so upset that he is not going to give the inheritance because the inheritance was already given to us in a sense. It's not, it's not even that we're waiting on the inheritance. It's that we actually already have the inheritance right now. So yes, we can reject that inheritance, but there's nothing that we can do to cause God to take it away from us. Exactly. That, and I love that you say that. I love that you say that because so many people will say, like, literally, I'll invite them to come worship with us or something like that, or, you know, go to the grind or something of that nature. And and they're like, oh, I can't really do the church thing. I'm just really not. You know, if you knew me, I'm too much of a sinner or whatever, whatever language they would use to mean that. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's that's what we are. That's why we're here, because we're too much of a sinner. We're too much of a broken people. And so that's why we need to hear this so that we have hope again and that we can get up and put one leg in front of the next and and and, and march on joining him in this restoration project that he has mysteriously asked us to be a part of. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved.